Hello. Hi. Welcome to Sipping with Snapped, a true crime podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Mary. And I'm Kylie. We are a mother-daughter duo interested in true crime. Some material may be disturbing because we do discuss murder. And adult beverages. We try not to swear, but sometimes bad words do fall out. <laughs> Join in on the conversation. Find us on Instagram at Sipping with Snapped. Tweet us at Sipping Snapped. To suggest a story, find us online, www.sippingwithsnapped.com. Or join our Facebook group, Sipping with Snapped, a true crime podcast. So, uncork your favorite bottle of wine. Or pour yourself a cocktail and let's talk snapped. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, sorry. I already <laughs> This is our first time recording in the morning. I know. That's why I was so excited and I jumped the gun there. Like, Good morning. <laughs> You've always been a happy morning person. <laughs> Once you actually get me out of bed, though. I'm more like, hey. The actually getting me vertical <laughs> part is the difficult part. Yes. That's awesome. Yep. So I made iced coffee. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. And I made uh, coffee ice cubes. No way. How did it work out? Good. Good. Because it doesn't water it down. No, it doesn't. That is smart. Because I don't know if people know this. I worked at Dunkin' Donuts once upon a time. But the iced coffee is actually stronger. It's double brewed because they know that when they add the ice cubes in, it waters it down. So that's why when you DIY it, you're like, why does this taste all watery? Now I have... The strength of coffee that I want with ice cubes, and it's it's perfect. Nice. Whoop, whoop. Well, this morning I've got a case for us from a place we haven't been in Idaho. Hoodaho? I know, right? <laughs> it's so sad because poor Idaho. Poor, I know. <laughs> and then so where I probably should already know this. Where's Idaho? Is it over this way? East? It's all the way over near Oregon. Oh, okay. And Washington State. Idaho makes the potatoes. Oh, that makes sense then because... Mm -hmm. In February of 1994, Shelly Kepley checks her mail and sees a birthday card for her son's third birthday, which is something that's normally completely normal. Mm -hmm. But for her, it's even more special because this card is from her dad and she actually hasn't heard from him in a little while uh, since she saw him over the holidays. Hmm. So she's like, okay, cool. Like he sent a birthday card. Everything's fine and stuff. Okay. Which I don't know how long I would go from the holidays holidays to February and be like haven't heard from mom but she (laughs) sent my daughter a card so she's she's okay (laughs) yeah that's a long time she's alive right (laughs) Uh, but then she opens the card and her heart drops because this does not look like it was from her dad the (gasps) handwriting looked different the message was really cold and not like something her dad would say but it still said you know love Paul Mm -hmm. she's like what so Paul let's talk about her dad real quick his name is Paul Gruber mm-hmm. he was 53 years old born December 4th 1941 mm-hmm. in Marathon County Wisconsin <laughs> he was a bright kid who was actually super into languages mm-hmm. and he actually graduated from the University of Nevada in 1965 where he majored in French how fun yes he then got his master's of french from the university of geneva in switzerland how cool is that that is awesome 
to get your master's in a language in the different country because it's one thing to get your master's here in America for French but I feel like oh absolutely wow full immersion yep in 1964 he married a woman named Kathy Mm -hmm. and they had two kids together a son named Carrie and then their daughter Shelly who got the birthday card okay and they divorced unfortunately when Shelly was about three years old oh Paul worked for 22 years at Incline High School near Lake Tahoe. He worked as a French teacher. Okay. So it all makes sense. You know, you're like, everything's lining up. Yes. The kids loved him. They commented on the great passion that he had for the language. Mm -hmm. And then he actually... I would say something in French, but I don't know anything. (laughs) Bonjour. (laughs) (laughs) So he worked at the school and then he actually inherited some money. He came into some money, so he decided to retire and move. Oh. He moved to a house by Muskrat Lake in Sandpoint, Idaho. Wow. Which was a small town with a slow pace of life and everything. Mm-hmm. They don't seem to be that inhabited up in that part of the country. Yes. <laughs> Seems pretty rural. Exactly. So we went from, yeah, Lake Tahoe to Muskrat Lake, which I think is so funny whenever. Mm-hmm. There's a muskrat that lives in the canal and I glimpse it once every fortnight. <laughs> <laughs> It's so funny. Aww. He kind of just like went to a smaller version and he got like a nicer house there. You know, he, he was living his dream. Mm-hmm. Yes. He just moved there and then he visited his daughter for the holiday where he stayed for a while and left on January 5th, 1994. Okay. After he left, Shelly was calling him, calling him, leaving voicemails. Mm -hmm. One of those voicemails was like, hey, I don't know what's up, you know, but your grandson's birthday is coming up. Like, make sure you reach out. Mm Mm-hmm. And a few days later, she gets this birthday card. Oh. So Shelly... Somebody's checking his voicemail. Yeah. So something suspicious. She is, you know, a sleuth like we are. So she pulls out old birthday cards from her dad just to do her own comparison. Oh, she's now a a handwriting expert. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, your parents' handwriting, you know that in an instant. Oh, absolutely. Parents and grandparents, Mm -hmm. you're like, this is funky. Mm -hmm. And like, if it didn't have if dads didn't have a goofy face on there i'd be like my dad didn't send this he always does some weird smile on there xoxo yep so she decides to call the local muskrat police Mm -hmm. and ask them to do a welfare check on her dad okay so go Mm shelly so they go to his home at gypsy bay road and they don't find anyone home and nothing really indicating foul play at the house Mm -hmm. but shelly's gives them permission to break in and actually like take a look around next of kin exactly please don't just not find anybody Mm -hmm. they find almost nothing home oh like his clothes are missing the television the computer his truck his boat some important papers you know like the documents that have security numbers and stuff were missing Mm -hmm. so it's a really weird scene but at the same hand he's a grown man like maybe he just left yes so the police are, are kind of stuck on that front but Shelly is like no way there's no way that he would just Mm -hmm. get up and leave he just moved there with his new inheritance Mm -hmm. like he just unpacked and he wouldn't leave me and his grandchildren he was just here to say he he would tell me he would tell me he's leaving yes so she gives the police that strange birthday card Mm -hmm. and the ones that she knows was from him and was like here like look at this this is also suspicious and they take a look at it and they actually find it to be a map 
watch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> dead end right there. Hmm. About a week later, his truck was found in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Mm-hmm. The police run the plates and confirm that it's Paul's. And they see that the truck's been wiped down and the keys are in the ignition. Oh. Which, once again, super strange. Sketchy. Right? Mm-hmm. But no blood, no damage, like nothing mm-hmm. like that. No lead. Exactly. So Shelly is basically the lead investigator because (laughs) she then is like, you know what? Go Shelly. I'm going to call the post office because he has a P.O. box. And let's see who's been picking up his mail. Like if it's piling up there or if someone's been going in. Smart. Right? Wow. So the post office, I don't know if they just like gave it out willy nilly or she pressed them because I don't think they're supposed to. But they did let her know someone. One's been coming in and picking up the mail. Yes. So Shelly decides to set a trap. She calls (laughs) her quote unquote dad Mm -hmm. and leaves another voicemail. And this time she's like, hey, remember, it's my husband's birthday coming up. Remember to send that check that you guys talked about. You know, lo and behold, five days later, a card arrives in the mail with a $25 check. And since it's a lie, she was like, this is not my dad. It's not my husband's birthday. Also, a $25 check. Like, this is. A grown man's birthday. <laughs> well, this is 1994. Yeah, true. So that'd be like $35 today. That'd be like a $100 bill today. So during this time that Paul's missing, police discover that his bills are still being paid and up to date too. Oh. They know that he's all paid up. Someone's getting his mail, thanks to Shelly. Mm-hmm. They then decide to use that mail because that's the only thing that's being done in person and put a security camera at the post office so they capture some footage and it's only kind of a profile shot of the guy Mm -hmm. but they show it to the residents because it's a small town immediately recognize and say hey yes that looks like daryl robin cool hey 50 people that live in this town do you know this one literally (laughs) they probably could have asked like hey post office person who's picking up this p.o box and they could have said oh yeah daryl's been going there you know yes So Daryl is known as a good guy around town. Mm -hmm. He was originally from California, but he had been in Idaho for just a couple years. He was a Mormon and he had seven kids. (laughs) Holy cow. Yeah. No wonder he wanted another home to escape to. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Like, give me your life. (laughs) These kids are driving me crazy. Yep. And he worked as a handyman, and he had actually worked on Paul's place. Oh. So police ask Daryl to come in and get some more information because he's been picking up this guy's mail that's been missing. Mm -hmm. So Daryl goes in, and he admits not only to picking up the mail, but says Paul himself asked him to get it. Oh. And to, like, watch over things at his place while he traveled (laughs) off to Canada. For his French. Yeah, so he gave Daryl money to pay Paul's bills. Oh. Which seems like a strange arrangement because wouldn't you just mail in a check from where you were? Yes. Yeah. And the way... Maybe it's the international stamp he didn't want to... Yeah, exactly. There was just too much. The currency change. Maybe he didn't Mm -hmm. get what would have to happen. Yeah. But 
still, it's 94. It's <laughs> <laughs> the way that they found that Daryl was getting paid by Paul, too, was two checks for like various fake businesses run by Daryl. Oh. So it's like, wouldn't you just pay him up front? Be like, check to Daryl, cool. Mm-hmm. Memo, rent, you know? Yes. Rather than being like, to Daryl's cooling and air furnishing. Mm hmm. It seems really weird. So police show Daryl a pic of Paul Gruber. And then Daryl's like, that's not the Paul that told me to pick up his stuff. Oh. He claims a different looking man who identified himself <laughs> as Paul Gruber uh-huh. approached him and told him to do all of this stuff. Oh. The police are like, is there a fake Paul? <laughs> so they do get a sketch artist. <laughs> this is my brother Daryl. And this is my other brother Daryl. There's a Paul, but actually it's a different Paul. This is another Paul. Yeah. yeah. So the police are like, is someone masquerading as Paul? Mm-hmm. Did the killer? And then they just got somebody else to be on camera getting his mail. Mm-hmm. So they bring in the sketch artist and the whole thing takes forever and the sketch honestly comes out horrible because... <laughs> well, like there's 50 people in the town and <laughs> who draws the best? Yes. <laughs> At the end of it, they look at this picture and they're like, you know who this actually looks like? The sketch artist. (laughs) So the whole time he had been sitting there and Daryl's looking at him and describing what he looks like. imaginative man i know exactly (laughs) i mean work with what you got i guess you'll seem really confident he's got green eyes right well i've got green eyes and curly brown hair (laughs) yeah i got curly brown hair okay and yeah wouldn't you realize you were doing a self-portrait like (laughs) halfway through (laughs) hope people don't think this is me Oh, that reminds me of that office episode where Dwight's looking for somebody and Pam draws the sketch and it's just Dwight with a mustache. (laughs) I don't watch The Office. Oh, it's so funny. All right. So even though they're like, this is awful, they still release it to the public because it's all that they have right now. Mm -hmm. And there are no leads, which is like, wouldn't you know somebody that looks like somebody? No leads. So over the next few months, there's no sign of the real Paul or imposter Paul. (laughs) So investigators continue to work the case and they keep an eye and search Paul's property from time to time. Okay. Even though they're not totally sure anything malicious has even occurred. No body, no crime. On one of these returns to the house, an investigator noticed a new rug on the ground. Hmm. And they discovered it wasn't just on the ground. It was glued to the ground. (laughs) Yes. This band-aid's covering up a sore. Ew. (laughs) Gross. (laughs) They pull it up and there's a strange mark on the floor. And they're like, hmm, that looks like that might be made by a bullet. So they get out their testing thing and test it for bullet residue. Mm -hmm. It's positive. So then they do the good old 94 luminol test. And And everything glowed. Oh, yeah. Use whatever analogy you want here. (laughs) (laughs) Insert Christmas tree. Insert Las Vegas. Like, yes. Whatever glows. (laughs) The blood tested positive as a match to Paul Gruber. You go 1994. But nobody means maybe he's not dead. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. 
Maybe he just cut himself shaving. Yep, and then... With a bullet. Yeah, glued a uh, <laughs> rug over it. Yes. <laughs> the poor floorboards. Like, come on. <sighs> so the police were already suspicious of Daryl this whole time. They didn't have anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, after he did that whole big bill story, they searched his place. It was either right after that or as they continued to be suspicious because mm-hmm. they saw the ATM transactions from Paul's account at places where there weren't any cameras and then deposits into Daryl's account for that exact same amount. Mm -hmm. So either way, police end up searching Daryl's place where they found a lot of Paul's things there. Oh, imagine that. Some of his furniture, his car, his boat. (laughs) And things that he was all given by Paul. Oh, just because Paul's a a kind, giving man. Yeah, exactly. Like, given to keep or to hold on to. Is he using you as a storage unit, even though he's playing rent on his other place? Yes. Hmm. That wasn't all that they found. They also found weapons, including a 22 handgun and a homemade silencer. Oh. None of this is good, but it's all circumstantial. Mm. Something that looks even worse is that Daryl and his family moved to Gig Harbor, Washington in the middle of this investigation. Oh. He just up and moved his family out of there. Boogie it out. Did he bring the boat? Oh, I'm sure that he brought all that he could. I wonder if the <laughs> police would seize that mm-hmm. or would he be able to keep it? Well, we already know he can forge his name if there's a title. Right? Or like a bill of sale or anything. Mm-hmm. So in August of 1995, it's been almost two years since Paul's disappearance. Okay. Either a police officer himself or another part-time carpenter was approached or offered to help the investigation. Oh. Because I've heard both ways. Okay. Either way, a part-time worker on Paul's house was asked to come in and check it out to see if anything in the house looks different than when they did the work on it. Okay. Like, we've come and looked, but we don't know if there's anything secret here. A change. You know? Mm -hmm. Like, that wall wasn't there. Exactly. (laughs) So, this part-time carpenter comes with them and they look and they're looking for a place that might possibly hide a body and under the house in the crawl space they find an impression that wasn't there before Mm -hmm. so over the months of the investigation the ground had kind of settled and they began digging and soon found a finger bone (gasps) and a wrist with a still working wristwatch oh which, what a watch slash battery ad. <laughs> they dig somebody up and then it's just like still clicking. That would be pretty cool. Timex takes a licking and keeps on ticking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like timeless. Yeah, right? in- industry. <laughs> you might die. We won't. <laughs> Then they discovered what looked like an air mattress with Paul wrapped up inside wearing a bathrobe. They confirmed his identity with dental records and the autopsy showed he had been shot four times with a twenty-two caliber pistol. Oh, poor Paul. So police compared Daryl's handgun and the silencer to the wounds. Bullet retrieved? Yeah, the bullets, but there wasn't a match. Unfortunately, I didn't know this, but a silencer not only affects the sound, but affects the ability to do bullet comparison because it 
Really? Yeah, it damages it differently and yes. stuff. It muffles it somehow. Yeah, somehow it messes it up. Wow. So that's part of why it's illegal. Hmm. So the prosecution, unfortunately, they're like, we still don't have enough evidence to charge Daryl. Mm-hmm. So they're looking everywhere. And at this time, the Unabomber actually was going on. <gasps> and they found the oh. Unabomber via DNA on the stamps. So they decided to use this with the birthday cards from <gasps> Shelly. That's right. That's back when you had to lick the stamps. Yes. Oh. Yes, people. Stamps weren't always stickers. You had to lick them. I know, which, bleh, that's terrible. Mm-hmm. Then they also, with those cards, sent the handwriting to another analyst with the different things. Mm -hmm. With these two things, they concluded, yes, it was a DNA match to Daryl, and the handwriting was not a match. It was similar, but it was somebody trying to match somebody else's handwriting. Yes. I guess that even when you try to mirror someone's handwriting, Mm -hmm. the way that you start your letters is going to be the same. Like if you start your S from the top versus at the bottom, Mm -hmm. or your E from from the inside versus the bottom and around. Yes. Even if you're changing the shape, you'll still go in the same direction. That's interesting. Right? Fun fact. Mm -hmm. So now the prosecution is like, okay, we've got enough to charge him. So Daryl was arrested in Washington and brought back to Idaho. Okay. They surprised him with the arrest, which was a good thing because they found that he had a go bag packed with weapons and supplies. So he had been prepared this whole time for any time if he got a whiff. To boogie out. Yep. Oof. So on May 20th... His poor wife. I know. On May 20th, 1996... Actually, she divorces him. Oh, good. (laughs) He was charged with first-degree murder, larceny, and five counts of forgery. Okay. Just after getting into jail, Daryl tried to bribe an inmate to get him out. He (gasps) wanted to pay him to kill a guard on his transfer. Oh. But the inmate was like, "Um, I'm about to get out of here, Mm -hmm. and you suck. So he turned state witness. (laughs) Sorry. Yep. So on April 9th, 1997, the trial begins, and it lasts three weeks Mm -hmm. the jury was made up of seven women and five men Mm -hmm. the prosecution's case was simple that daryl murdered paul for easy money yes he had access to everything that the guy had money and merchandise yeah paul was new to idaho he trusted daryl he had money Mm. and it kind of seemed like he had no connections i don't know if maybe daryl didn't know that he had a daughter in like he's not gonna be missed exactly he thought that he was choosing someone that wouldn't be missed how heartbreaking because if everything else was getting paid on time nobody would check in nobody you know so he had the forethought with that plan everybody needs somebody to check in on them exactly and the defense for daryl they stuck with the imposter paul theory they're like no so the mother paul had him pick up the stuff and (laughs) (laughs) you got you guys are looking for some other dude Mm, yeah so so the jury found him guilty of first degree murder as well as forgery and grand theft and he was sentenced to life in prison oh yay his wife filed for divorce in 1997 mm-hmm. and daryl is currently at idaho correctional center and is eligible for parole in 2034 and at 84 years Holy old cow. 
He has tried to appeal twice and both times has been denied mm-hmm. because he's still saying that there's some imposter Paul out there. Imposter Paul. Yeah. That's so funny. Right? It's imposter Paul. Exactly. <laughs> like, it's not me. It was my evil twin. Like, you know, some other dude named Paul. Like, I just was helping him out. I'm just being a good friend over here, checking the mail, paying the bills mm-hmm. and holding on to his things. I'm just making sure they don't seize his house. Yeah. I'm a good person. Yes. Like, I'm in jail because I'm so kind. No. Hmm. That's awful. Yeah. That's terrible. So go Shelly for listening to her gut and doing her own. She provided all the leads. She got them the smoking gun at the end there. So. Yes. That's perfect. Right. Hey, something's amiss. Yes, exactly. Like, mm-hmm. this was not sent from my dad. Why not? Yes. <laughs> and why can't I get in touch yes. with them? I mean, no cell phones in 94, <sighs> but... There were phones. Right? Like, I feel like, you know, nowadays, if I couldn't get in touch with you, I would say because we both work and stuff like 12 hours, like like a full mm-hmm. day, I'd be like, okay, something's up. Because yes. at least we check in. At- yes. Sorry. Or a text. Oh. Hey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How's it going? Like, hey, doing whatever. Especially when you're like, <laughs> cricket, cricket, I'm going to start calling. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh, don't call me. If you- <laughs> I'm alive. <laughs> If you don't respond, I'm going to start calling. Yeah. Uh, no. I'm okay. I'm alive. <laughs> Barely. Share your location with me right now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Just for an hour. Right? Just <laughs> want to make sure your dot's moving. Yes. <laughs> so make sure everyone out there listen to your mothers when they text and call. <laughs> and make good choices. Cheers. Click. Wow. Thank you for listening. Sipping with Snapped is an independent podcast. So the best way you can support us is to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcast or Podchaser. This podcast is researched, written, and edited by us. I'm Mary the mom. I'm Kylie the daughter. Thank you to Caleb Cook for lending his musical talents for our theme music. And tune in next Wednesday for another Sipping with Snapped episode. Cheers! Cheers. Hey Logan, say I love you! <laughs> <laughs>